Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio. Hereabouts is produced by WFHB and Indiana University's Asian Culture Center. We ask critical questions about identity, culture, community, and shared assumptions. We air every other Wednesday from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. in the evening. And now we're on Spotify. My name is Belle. I'm a junior and I'm double majoring in international law and institutions and Spanish. Today, I'm here with Caitlin and Allison, who are AAA members at Indiana University. So before we get started, can you guys please introduce yourselves? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having us. Um, my name is Caitlin Wu. Um, I'm a junior studying neuroscience, um, chemistry, and then minoring in public health. Um, and I am the AAA president this year um, and also a family head. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Allison Boffman. I'm a junior in Kelly School of Business studying management, international business, and law and ethics with a minor in law and public policy originally from Ohio, um, and I am also a family head in AAA. Awesome. So for those who are unfamiliar, I guess, um, what is AAA? And you guys already mentioned your roles in AAA, but what does being a family head mean in this context? Yeah, so um, AAA or Asian American Association, um, it's a, a club aimed at um having cultural events, cultural opportunities, and also social events um, for not only Asian Americans, but people that are interested in Asian American culture, um, just as a way for people to feel connected on campus, um, especially freshmen coming in, um, kind of looking for a community of people that um, kind of understand them and want to kind of um, start conversations about Asian American issues and things on campus. And yeah, do you want to talk about kind of what family heads do, Allison? Yeah, of course. So family heads um, kind of run smaller subgroups. Our organization is pretty large with a few hundred people. So in order to foster those closer connections and really try and help foster a better community, um, especially for um, younger students, Family heads um, organize smaller social events and collaborate with each other in order to do fun activities um, and also help um, lower people's stress. Awesome. That sounds like a really great way to kind of personally connect to a lot of students here at IU um, who are in the API community. And I know you guys do a lot of important work. I've attended some of the events and I really enjoyed it. Um, for example, Lunar New Year was really cool. I got to show some perspective students around and they were um, amazed at the lion dance and they really seemed to enjoy themselves. So that was really cool of you guys. But also you guys do a lot of work on advocacy. And today we kind of wanted to talk about one event that you guys hosted in collaboration with the ACC, which is the triple a and acc friday on anti-blackness in the aapi community so um could you guys tell us a little bit more about this event i believe it was on february 16th right the day that it, like randomly snowed a bunch yeah absolutely it was funny because it was like snowing outside we we're freaking out we were like oh nobody will come but it ended up being a great turnout um so we 
basically every month we have like a mass meeting. And so every mass meeting has a social advocacy topic, um, which is kind of run and created by our advocacy chair on board. Um, so our theme for the month of February was anti-blackness in the AAPI community. So we decided we wanted to have like further that conversation having a um like an educational and discussion-based event based on that topic. Um, so we invited a doctor, or sorry, Professor Cynthia Wu um, and Sashay Watson to come and like help facilitate a conversation. Um, uh, Professor Wu is from the um, Asian Studies Department and then, sorry, Asian American Studies Department. And then Sashay is from the um, Hudson Holland Scholars Program. And so they both were absolutely amazing um, at like kind of helping us have this conversation. Um, yeah, but we thought it was something that was really important um, to talk about. And I think people were very interested in like the conversation itself was really engaging too, which I thought was great. Yeah, and I definitely think it's pretty timely since um, it is Black History Month. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see events that kind of foster solidarity in between um, Black and Asian groups as well. So, um, I mean, what are what are some central themes you guys touched on? I know you talked about anti-Blackness, um, but what was something that you learned or what was something that kind of like surprised you when you were doing this discussion? Yeah, so we had a lot of really broad discussion that I feel like touched on a bunch of different topics um, ranging from colonization, imperialism, a lot of historical context, and also um, on how we decided to connect that to people's personal experience. Um, on the personal experience side, um, I found it was really interesting to talk to um, other Asian American students that were in attendance about um, how they feel interactions um, kind of happened between the Black community and the Asian community in their own respective high schools and how that kind of shaped their perspectives um, on how they viewed the IU community and their role as well um, in educating other people. So for example, um, I grew up in a really rural area that's predominantly white. In my experience with the I don't want to phrase this. My experience with um, the Black community was relatively inadequate, I would say, um, and just poorly developed because I was in a community that I was super familiar with. It wasn't a community that was um, prevalent in where I grew up. So having that introduction, especially at a college level, was um, interesting for me to navigate, and not in a bad way, just in a way that it forces you to think about how other people interact with each other and how I chose to interact as well um, and trying to navigate the new culture around different perspectives and different personalities, if that makes sense. Um, specifically with anti-Blackness in the AAPI community, I know other people had talked about um, in their respective schools, sometimes that there's this otherness um, and this prevailing theme of separation between Asian communities that tended to um, 
tended to associate more with each other than they did with other minorities, including um, the black communities that were in most schools. And we discussed how that was a historical, um, those are undertones from historical context of imperialism and colonialism and how white supremacy kind of has pushed a narrative of separating the minorities in a way that they cannot or feel they cannot kind of unite and be able to put a unified front up, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. No, that was very profound. And I want to say that I relate to you as well, because what I found was really interesting about coming to IU, um, I'm from Thailand, so we are very homogenous there. But even within that, like, homogenous culture where there aren't really any white folks who live there, um, they're a minority there, there is a sense and a tendency to favor like light skin and like the colorism aspect of cultures, as well as a general sense of like anti-blackness or like being ill-informed about other communities, even within, let's say, like between the main Thai community versus the indigenous community who are often darker than um, the Thai ethnicity. It was really interesting for me to see. And I think that's why it's so important to kind of, like, like you mentioned, talk about these issues from a historical and colonial perspective, just because it's not just America that's impacted by these kind of worldviews, which is really interesting to me because I guess in America, you can kind of see it more prevalently, I would say, um, just because there is a lot of discussion on stuff like this, which is really good. Um, but there's also a lot of divide in terms of like, like you mentioned, divide between groups of color, communities of color, as well as divides between the minority versus the majority. So um, I just wanted to kind of like, you know, add that in because I thought it was really interesting as well. Um, a follow-up question though. So did most of the people who were in attendance, did they kind of have the same experiences as you in terms of like relationships with other communities that were kind of like limited or... I was, I'm kind of curious about like the background of everyone that was there. If you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would say something that was really unique was that everyone kind of had a very different perspective. So I'm similar to Allison, like I grew up in a very like predominantly white area, but there were um, a couple of participants that grew up um, in different parts of Indiana and I think Tennessee where they, it was more urban, like there was definitely a lot more diversity, cultural diversity. So like hearing their experiences and like how growing up, even though like some of them, like even though there were a lot more like black people in their school or like just diversity in general, like they still kind of saw those divides. Like I thought that was really interesting. Um, even though like you have that exposure growing up, it's still like for some people, something that like prevails in their like childhood. Um, and like that type of discrimination, even like growing up um, towards black people, like from their own families is still something that they experience, even though like their parents and like grandparents had more exposure, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and that was like something that I was thinking about a lot was just like the generational differences too. Cause like, I feel like pretty, I hate to like generalize, but I feel like a lot of kind of our generation is 
much more open-minded a lot of the time than um, some of like our uh, parents and grandparents. So just like, I, we definitely talked about a lot during the conversation, like how to overcome those types of conversations. Cause it can be really tricky sometimes to like navigate how to like talk to your parents about, or your grandparents about like, um, just being more inclusive and, you know, like not, uh, not, um, racist. So yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add, Allison. Yeah, I think you summarized it pretty perfectly. Um, there were a bunch of diverse perspectives, um, and a lot of, uh, in my background, um, my, I'm a transracial adoptee. So um, my parents and my whole family is white. So it was really interesting to see that um, some of the older Asian generations had similar um, discriminatory kind of a discriminatory mindset against um, against the black community, the same as some of um, the older generation of uh, Caucasian members of my family. And um, but on the flip side as well, um, some of these at least some of the people that um, were at the event, they had talked about um, their parents and having that discussion with them and growing up in maybe communities that were predominantly either Asian or African-American that um, there was almost a, there was almost a split. There had been people whose parents almost felt more alienated by having to share space with African-Americans. But then on the other side, there were also people that um, their mindsets had changed to a more inclusive mindset. So seeing that there are different experiences and different maybe backgrounds that can result in the same mindset, and then also similar backgrounds that can result in different mindsets was very interesting to see just because it was something that I knew it was possible, but I don't really see it as much in practice. So I did find that very interesting. Yeah, Allison, what you just said just reminded me of, I think it was a psychology experiment, but I can't but like remember it off the top of my head. But it was about how like white and black communities interact with each other and the degree of like animosity or kind of discriminatory like mindsets they have against each other depended on not only like them living in diverse areas but the degree of interactions that they had so I think that can be obviously obviously there are multiple reasons why people's experiences and end up being different um but I think there's something to say about like you know even though you live in a diverse place it doesn't necessarily mean you get to kind of like get to experience friendships or relationships with uh, people from other communities because there still could be like some sort of divide like you mentioned so I think that's really interesting um and this kind of leads me to my next question though before I get to that I also wanted to add this thing um do you guys know uh the activist named Kochiyama yeah, we were talking about, um, actually, Melanie brought, the director of the ACC brought um, Kochiyama up when we were talking about, like, historical examples. Because, I mean, she was saying how, like, Kochiyama, like, held Malcolm X's, like, head while he, like, died. And, like, I think that's just such a good example of, like, solidarity um, between the Asian and the Black community. And, like, 
just, I mean, there's a really good documentary about her. Like it's, she's just such a good example. They both like that relationship and how like each community, um, kind of stood up for each other during the civil rights movement and like, um, kind of showed the world that like, it's not these two communities against each other, but really it's so much more powerful when you see them like kind of fighting for each other. Yeah, no, you put it perfectly. I, um, I think Melanie was also the person who put me onto this, uh, but I remember learning about her, which is really interesting because I don't think I ever learned about her prior to coming to college, which is really interesting for me. But yeah, like you said, it was, it's just a prime example of Asian and Black solidarity that has occurred in the past um, and has really positive as well as inspiring, you know, uh, inspiring messages for future generations because they worked really hard together to kind of push for civil rights and also to protest against like the Vietnam War and stuff like that. And I feel like in the documentary or at least in some videos that I've watched, um, historians describe their friendship as sort of like a like real friendship, which is definitely interesting because I'm not sure how it is today, but I I didn't learn about that um, growing up. So it's definitely something that's should be highlighted, but I digress. Okay. So we kind of touched on this in our other answers and, you know, it, parts of our other conversation, but I guess, why is it, why do you guys think it's important um, to discuss issues of anti-Blackness in Asian communities? I think it's so important to discuss this topic because it reminds people that there are going to be biases within minorities, even if you are a minority. So the concept that because Asian Americans are minorities, they can't alienate themselves or other themselves from other minorities as well. I feel like that that's so, so for example, one of the issues that I see is um, sometimes there are, might be passive aggressive comments um, within the Asian American community about the black community, but it's not seen or people argue that's not racist because they themselves often experience racism and having this kind of mindset perpetuates this divide that we have between the communities. So to directly address this and have this discussion about anti-blackness and that it is a really prevail that it is a significant and prevailing issue within the API community is that's the reason I think it's really important, especially for like younger generations that are still in this mindset where they feel like they can grow and they can change and they have that opportunity. Whereas I feel like older generations might not feel that way as much. Yeah, that was beautifully said. I, I echo everything that you um, said, Allison. I think something we like had kind of touched on too, um, this was mainly from Allison Lee, who is our social advocacy chair. So I'm not, I don't want to take credit for all the amazing research that she did um, for this event. But um, she was talking about how like during COVID, there was a lot of kind of rhetoric in like media and stuff about how um the people that were mainly the people that were perpetrating um, like the Asian elders during COVID were like black individuals. And that really was like not true at all. Like it was mainly like white men um, who were attacking these elders. So I think 
it's just a really good example of how like still we're seeing so many examples in the media of people trying to like pit the two communities against each other um so it's i think these conversations and kind of recognizing these things are just so essential to like our understanding um and like progression of um yeah just society and all the things so yeah no that's that's perfect i especially you know I kind of, it's interesting you mentioned that, Caitlin, because I've been kind of like noticing this division rhetoric a lot, especially this year, like an election year, where politicians, I'm not sure if this is their intention, but sometimes it seems like it is. Well, they're, when they like uphold one issue and then trade it off with something else, or maybe like the, their constituents think they're trading it off with something else and therefore it creates even more like political polarization and also other types of you know divides like between genders as well or even like race so I definitely think that's interesting when we think about um, messaging in the media and um, just the way people kind of use rhetoric to create these divides between our communities. So, okay. Thank you so much for those answers, guys. Um, We can kind of start to wrap things up. And I have about two more questions for you guys. The first one is, um, with all of these like cool events that AAA has done, what are some things um, you guys have planned in the future? And this is an opportunity to just plug (laughs) your stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, just like we want to build off like conversations like these for sure. Um, Making sure like we just create things that also are like representative of both communities um, going forward. So like wanting to make sure we include um, all communities when we have like advocacy type conversations. I think like for this year, um, what we've got coming up, we're doing like our big end of the year. kind of gala also talent show uh to kind of like uh show off all of the amazing um talents that the people in our club have um so that's really exciting that's going to be in april um i'm trying to think of other things as the year kind of gets wrapped up i know um this is not directly us but kind of in collaboration with the asian culture center uh we're helping out with their um their film fest so they're showing a documentary about um mixed people of mixed like identities um and that's going to be at the monroe county public library um so that's a really exciting event there's going to be like um the filmmakers there to kind of talk with us um about like mixed identities and especially of people in the api community um let me think if there's anything else i'm looking at my list we're going to have the um, the Asian Fest Gala. That's also for the Culture Center. Um, so that's going to be on March 27th. That's coming up. Um, so that's really exciting. Kind of a really cool opportunity to showcase the API community around Bloomington. So not just at IU. Um, so they'll have performances and a cl- uh, fashion show, fun things like that. Um, I think that's kind of it from us for now. We're kind of winding down the year, unfortunately, which is kind of crazy. But yeah. 
That sounds super exciting. And I am personally looking forward to all of these events. Um, I know Asian Fest on March 27th from 5 to 8 p.m., I want to say, at the Buskirk Chumley Theater is definitely something people um, should go out and kind of see because, like Caitlin mentioned, we have performances from dance groups from performers at IU and also in the community. We're going to have crafts for kids because this event is also open to the Bloomington community as well. Yeah, fashion show, um, like with cultural wear. Also something kind of brand new, which is exciting, is we're going to be screening a documentary at the very beginning um, about, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but um, about a ballet dancer, an Asian American ballet dancer, um, which is really exciting. So that'll be like right at the beginning of the program. So yeah, there's a lot of really fun and also uh, like cultural food tasting um, at the beginning. So yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, we highly encourage everyone to come out and see the event. I didn't know about the documentary, but that's super cool. Also, the Asian Culture Center is gearing up for API Heritage Month, and we have a bunch of events. So please visit our website and look at the calendar events as well if you'd like to participate in any of those. But okay, enough with the with the um, publicizing. Um I guess my last question for you guys is if there's one thing you'd like the listeners today to take away from this episode, what is it? There, I guess there are two things. One, to always check yourself. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do as individuals. Understanding that everyone has unconscious bias, even if it's relating to things like race, um, socioeconomic status, education background, whatever it is. You're going to have unconscious biases about things. I have my own. They're not bad um, until you project it onto other people. So recognizing that you have that and addressing maybe the perceptions that you have and how how you can maybe work to change those is really important. And secondly, a lot of these conversations around AAPI um, and anti-Blackness, things that are like racial justice issues, um, those are really hard to change on an individual level. Um, I don't want to say they're hard to change. Um, The biggest impact, of course, will be made um, by representatives, um, people that you, people that are supposed to be reflecting your values. um, And to be able to do that, they need to have you vote. So um, this is an election year. I always encourage people to make sure to get their ballots in, make sure to request ballots since we are um, most likely the majority of us are not um, close to home and being able to go home and vote. So that's really essential that you make sure to um, prepare, um, educate yourself and understand what you're voting for. Yes, everybody go vote. You must. It's so important. Um, Yeah, especially in Indiana. So 100%. I agree. Um, I would say just kind of to stress really how impactful and important like intersectional solidarity is, because like, I mean, showing up just for maybe someone's events or for conversations like these, even if you don't hold any of the identity groups, like it really is so powerful to see people of different identities, like um, showing up to stuff like this, like 
even just like maybe visiting the other culture centers and sitting down and having a conversation with um, the student assistants that work there or um, any of the faculty, like just showing that you like care um, in that way and want to educate yourself. Um, yeah, I think that's like one of the best kind of things individually that you can do just to kind of grow your like cultural competency. Cause like all of us, like this is conversations like these are stuff that I like love talking about, but like still there's so much that like, I don't know. Right. So just like going out there and kind of talking to people and getting to know them. Cause I think college is just such a unique experience because everyone is always doing something. We have so many clubs and identity groups and really cool people on campus. So definitely like utilizing these resources and kind of getting as much out of it as you can. Um, and then also just showing up for other people, especially when um, communities are suffering or being impacted by things. I think showing up and kind of giving your, um, giving your support is like so important. Thank you guys. That was beautiful um eloquently spoken so and i i want to say i just want to thank you guys for being such cool and awesome people and for doing all the work you do with triple a as well as your other obligations um i think it's incredible you know all of the stuff that you guys kind of support and kind of advocate for it's definitely something that i think is probably going to continue on for a long time since I see so many like passionate people within the club as well. On that note, I'm going to wrap up. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hereabouts Asian American Midwest Radio. Hereabouts is produced by WFHB Community Radio and Indiana University's Asian Culture Center. We ask critical questions about identity, culture, community, and shared assumptions. We air every other Wednesday from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. in the evening. And we're now on Spotify. Please stay tuned for our next episodes. This was Belle, Caitlin, and Allison, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode.